for your prayers. We see Ed's here this morning, and I assume Sharon's home. Ed's the night nurse. Let us pray for Sharon some more. <laughs> I'm sure Ed does a good job, and so it's good to see you, Ed, and thank you for that, and, and uh, you are your beloved to us. Uh, thank you for the prayers. That is uh, what we do as a family in Christ. Also, some of you may have heard the news, uh, sad news, but also joyful in that he's home. But Pastor Steve Gilbertson passed away on Friday. Uh, he was uh, golfing with his sons, all three boys, and doing what he loved with the people he loved. And he played some golf. They were going to have lunch afterwards. He complained of some uh, chest pains. And one of his sons went to go get the aspirin. The other son stayed with him. He collapsed, and he never regained consciousness. So please keep Anne, his wife, and his children and grandchildren in your prayers that the Lord, who is always merciful, would pour out his blessings and his peace on that as they learn to live without him in their lives. It's uh, kind of living with a limp that you didn't expect to have. For Steve, we know that there is no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness. And he would tell us, as all of those who we love and have gone before us would say, don't worry about me. I'll see you in the morning, because that's how it works out. Not this tomorrow morning, literally for you, okay? I don't want to scare anybody, but as if it is just in the morning, okay? So let us stand, if you're able, our opening hymn. Actually, we're not going to be singing that together. It is, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, by Matt Redman. Let us rejoice as unto the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The Bless the Lord. 
come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve. 
Almighty God, in his mercy, has sent his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and consecrated servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, 
especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Right. The first reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 through 21, and this can be found on page 85 in your pew Bible. This deals with Joseph's return after uh, his brothers maltreated him, to say the least, and uh, sold him into slavery, and, and after a long time, uh, he came back. God brought him back as a very, very powerful man. And so the brothers were really afraid of Joseph's wrath. Genesis 50, beginning with the 15th verse. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Our second reading will be from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 12, and we'll read that responsively, uh, which is printed in your bulletin. This is a psalm of David, which uh, David's pretty bold and arrogant sometimes when he's speaking to God. Um, God loves uh, David. This one is not one of those where he's yelling at God. He's praising him. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. And this can be found on page 1765 in the Pew Bible. Paul wrote this letter about, I don't know, 22, 23 years after the resurrection of Christ. So it's very recent. Uh, 22 years is not a long time. Romans 14, beginning with the first verse. Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. to St. Matthew from the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and could be found on page 1527 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 18 
21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay their debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Now the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him, and he began to choke him, and he said, pay back what you owe me. He demanded it. His fellow servant fell to his knees, and he begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it all back. But he refused. And instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, mathematics of Christ, they're not equal to the mathematics of this world. It is far greater than that. The mathematics of God. 
It's not common core, it's uncommon Lord who gives us his numbers. The equations that he and the rest of the Trinity, only they can solve. Now here's, a, here's an example of that. Get your pencil ready. The Father is 100% God. The Son is 100% God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. So how much God do you have then? Well, you have 100% God. And here's another example. Christ is 100% true God and 100% true man. How much Christ do you have? 100%. You see, Christ's math is, well, it's above our heads. And it doesn't make sense to us. As the ancient Greek philosophers would say, the finite cannot comprehend or even contain the infinite. This is why we accept it on a, on a basis of faith. Faith in Christ that the Holy Spirit has given to us. Here's another question. What is 70 times 7? In light of our text, the answer is infinity. What? Are you saying 70 times 7 is not 490, Pastor? I know you're about as sharp as a marble, some might say, but um, I'm here to tell you, no, not today. It's not 490. Not today, not here, in this story, not a chance. It's infinity. And that's not the answer that Peter wanted to hear. You see, he asked Jesus the wrong question. It was wrong for him on two reasons. For two reasons it was wrong. It was a question that the Lord had already answered. And it was motivated not by the gospel, but by law. Seven times was the law, according to what Peter thought, or actually it was, it, it was more than the law required. But Jesus took what Peter and what you and I and the rest of the world believe to be true and adequate, and he takes it and he dumps it out and he shows a different math. Peter betrayed himself by the very nature of this question. He showed he did not have the mind of Christ, but he had a mind of legalism. He wanted to know what the minimum requirements were to do right by God. Oh, how very much like us. It would be like a student in a confirmation class asking the pastor, how little do I have to do 
in order to be confirmed. The student doesn't like the pastor's answer, and Peter didn't either. The disciple doesn't like the Lord's answer. And the Lord calls Peter and us to a much higher standard. He says this, Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am perfect. He says, I do not say to you, forgive your brother seven times, but 70 times seven. It's easy to count to seven. It's harder to count to 490. And that's the point. The point is, keep forgiving until you can't keep track anymore. And then, keep forgiving. Why should I even bother? You might ask, I might ask. Why should I even bother? Well, it's exactly what God has been doing for you. Forgiving you over and over and over again. Because you have, I have sinned over and over again and again. And we have needed to repent over and over and over again, more times than you can count, more times than you can remember. You know that in preparation this morning for the divine service, we are brought to remember 1 John. 1 John 1, 8 through 9, where we say, if we see, we have no sin. And then we confess together, most merciful God. We confess that we are sinful and unclean. So why do we do this? Well, the psalmist notes this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, keep track of iniquities, who could stand? If the Lord kept record of your sins and he counted them against you, you wouldn't stand a chance of being forgiven. No chance of being saved. That is why we confess our sins this morning and every morning. This is why you will pray the Lord's Prayer in a few minutes, keeping in mind its fifth, its fifth petition, petition, and that is, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So why do we focus on this petition today? Well, it squares with our lectionary text, especially well. And it also squares with what Luther teaches us through his um, small catechism. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor are we deserving of them. But we ask, we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely 
deserve nothing but punishment. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Indeed, who could stand before him? Not you. Not I. No one. You see, we owe God a huge debt for our offenses. A debt that we cannot begin to hope to pay. Not even with our very lives. Because we have not lived the holy and perfect lives that God demands of us. We are the first servant in the Lord's parable. We are that servant that has been forgiven much and sees someone that owes us and we demand it back from him right now. And all we can do is beg for God's mercy. And we should forgive our debt to him. We ask that he would do that for us. And so what do we do with that forgiveness? Do we forgive those who trespass against us? If God is willing to forgive us 70 times 7 times to infinity and beyond, why are we so unwilling to forgive our neighbors even once? Let alone 7 times. Why? Are we unwilling to forgive someone who has offended us much less than we ourselves have offended God? We have not loved God with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. If we did, we wouldn't withhold forgiveness from those who actually sinned against us or even those who may have simply offended us or merely inconvenienced us. For example, somebody says something that makes us uncomfortable. Someone else cuts us off in traffic or on the highway. We get mad. We don't want to hear an apology. We want God to send that person straight to hell. Then there's actual sins. Actual, really bad sins. Sins that break the Ten Commandments. And those are the sins that have us reeling, seething, frothing at the mouth, and unwilling or unable for a time to forgive. Those are the types of things like children disobeying their parents or aborting a baby, or denying life support to the terminally ill, or neglecting our parents after we put them in a nursing home, or one spouse cheating on another, or taking something that doesn't belong to you because you want it and you don't think the other person should have it, or spreading rumors and telling lies about someone. God says we 
should forgive others when they sin against us, but the devil has us digging in our heels, not willing to forgive and not wanting to forget. Contrary to what God demands and what Luther teaches, we don't want to sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. We want heads to roll. We want vengeance. But the Lord, the Lord reserves that exclusively for himself. He will execute vengeance. And yet we still want blood. So God sees us. God sees us in our pathetic state. And he says, okay. Okay. You want blood? You want to shed some blood? You got it. But it isn't the blood of our enemies or those who have sinned against us. It's the blood of his one and only son, Jesus, who was bloodied and dead on that cross to take the sin of the world upon himself. That's including your sins and including my sins. You want blood? He already gave it. He was crucified and killed to make the payment for us and for all people. He was a gift that was cherished and craved by those who believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord. He's the gift for you. And what was the first thing? Do you remember what was the first thing that Jesus said as he was being crucified, here's a, here's a hint, it wasn't, ow, ow, ow. The first thing he said, at least the Bible tells us, is that he prayed, Father, forgive them. He asked his Father in heaven to forgive those who condemned him to death, to forgive those who nailed him to the cross, and for those whose sins put him on the cross. He asked the Father to forgive you. He asked the Father to forgive me. He asked the Father for the life of the world. You see, Jesus made us holy by taking the wicked servant by being the wicked servant in our place. He wasn't wicked, but he took the punishment reserved for that wicked servant. He delivered, or he was delivered to the jailers who arrested him and the soldiers who beat and crucified him. To paraphrase the words of the prophet Micah, God has given his firstborn for our transgressions and Christ has given his body and blood for the sin of our soul. Christ died for you. He was paying your entire debt 
to God completely. Your slate is wiped clean. You are forgiven. As the psalmist says of God in the 130th Psalm, with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Psalm 130, verse 4. God our Father has declared you forgiven for his Son's sake. For he has seen you covered by Jesus' blood. And when God forgives you, he forgets your sin. He says, I will forgive your iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Now, the devil may want to, well, he may want you to remember your sins. And he may want you um, to remember those committed against you. But the devil's been defeated. He's been defeated once and for all. His accusations and his lies have been exposed. The same Jesus who said from the cross, Father, forgive them, is also the same Jesus that said, it is finished. And that means that it is finished. Satan has lost the war. It is finished. We tremble not. We fear no ill. He shall not overpower us. It is finished. He can harm us none. It is finished. Satan has been judged. The deed is done. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory in Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead and who comes to us in his body and his blood. Not the blood of our enemies. Not the blood of goats or the blood of the Not the blood of our enemies, not the blood of goats, but the blood of the Lamb that takes the sin of the world. His blood that was given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. His blood that causes you, moved by the Holy Spirit, to be God's forgiven children. His blood gave you the power to be called children of the living God. Now, since we've been given this, we should share God's love for each other in Christ. We should forgive those who sin against us. And we should look to the Lord to aid us to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And remember this, he who began this good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And finally, he who calls you, he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it. Lord, grant this in Jesus' name for his sake.
Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of the day is Word of God Speak. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, 
he suffered in righteousness was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, as once you kept Joseph from evil and brought good from his suffering in Egypt, deliver us by your grace so that we may learn patience in trials Teach us to be slow to judge, quick to forgive, and steadfast in love for you and for one another. Lord, in your mercy, merciful Lord, you have shown great compassion to us. Teach us to show such compassion to others, that we may Welcome the stranger, love our neighbor in need, and be attentive to those new to the faith or vulnerable to temptation. Help us to serve the refugee seeking safety and give us opportunity to share your gifts with those who live in poverty and want. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, bless those who preach and teach your word, and give the hearers willing ears to hear and willing hearts to learn the scriptures well. Bless those now training to be pastors and church workers. Grant to all the baptized the aid of your Holy Spirit so that receiving your gospel with joy, we may share it freely with those outside the household of faith. Lord, in your mercy, Mighty God, give wisdom and courage to our elected and appointed leaders that they may pursue justice, seek peace, and protect life from its natural beginning to its natural end. Bring an end to the threats of terror and violence among the peoples and open all nations to the voice of your word. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Lord, lead us to pursue reconciliation that we may stand before you, forgiven and united in faith. Give us unity of doctrine and help us to walk together in harmony of life. Prepare us to receive your own Son's body and blood with faith and bring to fruition in our lives the precious gift of grace that we receive in this communion. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, you know our weakness of body and soul. Give to the troubled in mind your peace 
to the suffering relief, to the sick healing, to the grieving comfort, and deliver the dying into everlasting life. Hear us especially for the family of Pastor Gilbertson, and also for those named in our hearts or out loud. Lord, in your mercy, giving Lord, all good things come from you. Open our hearts to be generous with the poor and to bring you the tithes and offerings that you are due, that your church and all her agencies may serve your gracious purpose and suffer no lack of people or resources to do the work of your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty and everlasting God, deliver us from temptation and the powers of evil, that we may be faithful unto death and receive from your hand the crown of everlasting life. Whether we live or die, we belong to you, and we pray you to comfort us with this promise that we may join the company of the saints on the day you have appointed and enter into the heavenly places to worship at your throne on high through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Socially responsibly at a distance, waving is good. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, the Lord our God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this very day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened up to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join in their unending hymn.
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, So in the past, we have reserved uh, communion for the few that have attended to happen after the service, after the stream was done, but we're going back now that we uh, have been given permission by the state to assemble. So communion is for those who confess Christ with their lips as Lord and Savior. It's for baptized believers. And uh, in a moment, the ushers will bring you forward, and we will line up here. I will wash my hands again, put on a glove and my mask so that we are following good guidelines. David is going to move the camera um, because I, I don't know who or who does not want to be on camera, so I'm not letting any of you be on camera. How about that? And uh, we'll just point it up uh, at the cross and uh, from over there, and, and uh, we will enjoy uh, the happiest meal you ever have. Amen? Amen. Okay.
like it used to be, only a little different. Will you please stand and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now you can be seated. Our closing hymn is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And boy, don't we. Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
Let us go in peace and serve the Lord.